I guess the most important thing is just bringing people back to the city. I think that's the struggle that retailers and restaurants are having right now is that people are not coming back to the city. They think public transport is not safe yet. It is safe. I mean, you can take it into the city, but also we need workers back. Most importantly, the city needs the workforce that is there back into the city, working, shopping, buying their coffees, eating out. And until we get the majority of the workforce back in, it's going to be a struggle for most businesses in the city to, to keep going. This week on Dirty Linen, we are talking about representation in the hospitality industry. Who gets to speak for restaurateurs, the people that work in them, and who do they speak to? So I'm really excited to speak to Jason Chang, somebody who has just become an elected representative in the city of Melbourne. Last time we spoke to Jason, it was June. His restaurant, Carlia, was open, but very restricted. That's an emporium in the city and at Chadston. His restaurant, U Kitchen at Chadston, unfortunately had been so battered by the pandemic that it had permanently closed. And indeed, our second lockdown was still ahead of us. Um, we also spoke to Jason about the robot that he had on order to reduce staff costs at Carlia. So, Jason, there is a lot to catch up on, but welcome to the show. Hi, Danny. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Yeah, no, thank you. You've had a very, uh, well, a tumultuous, a life-changing 2020, I would say. How, how are you doing right now in the middle of December? I mean, oh, it, it's been a real difficult year for, for us and the industry as a whole, but I think, um, you know, being elected as a representative for the industry but also for the Asian community is quite um, quite a great privilege and honour that's been given to me. I did not expect this to happen um, at the end of 2020 so you know I'm, I'm very proud to have been elected <laughs> so hopefully I can give a voice to to the community and to the industry. Yeah it's it's really amazing. Tell me about the thought process in deciding to stand for council. I think for me, it was one where I felt, and many um, of my industry colleagues, other restaurant owners and staff, had said to me that, you know, no one really understands small business and government. There's, there's rarely any small business owners, especially restaurant owners who are in government, who understand the real difficulties in running a business, um, especially during the pandemic, where businesses were just completely battered and, I mean, we had no customers literally coming through our doors. Revenues dropped to 10%. But people sort of said, okay, JobKeeper will keep everyone going and all that. But no one really understood what businesses were facing and trying to keep their people employed, trying to, I guess, you know, owners trying to pay their mortgages and paying their landlords. So for me, it amounted to a lot of, uh, of my industry colleagues saying to me, you know, we need someone to represent us. And I think that's why I said it said to myself. And I spoke to you about it as well, Danny. Um, you know, I think now it's time for me to really make a stance on behalf of the industry. How can we have a real voice? Not just someone who says they act and they represent the industry, but someone who's in the industry and feeling the pain and hurt. That's, that's what led me to it, yeah. It's such a big decision and it's, you know, so you're a first-time candidate and you were elected to office. Um, like, did you have a sense during the campaign that that was likely? Did you feel confident? I, I wasn't really sure, in all honesty, because I think in, in politics anything can happen. And it's one of those ones where I thought, okay, just give it a go. I was 
partnered, I mean, I was on Team Aaron Wood and he was the previous Deputy Lord Mayor and that was a real honour to be on his team. He's someone who cares about small business a lot and he's a small businessman himself. And for me, I, I guess being very new to the political game, I wasn't sure what to expect. So I went in doing the best I could. I went to as many restaurants and small businesses to speak to the owners as I as I was able to under COVID safe restrictions. And I guess I felt there was a wave of support out there for small business. So I had a quiet confidence, but um, I guess to be elected in the end, I, I felt, I guess, overwhelming pride for the industry in that we make up such a big portion of what makes Melbourne so great. And hospitality is what Melbourne is. People come to visit Melbourne and they visit the restaurants, they visit the cafes and the laneways. And not having anyone who was on the previous council as a restaurant owner sort of doesn't do justice to how important the hospitality industry is. So I guess, you know, being elected in the end really gave me a real sense of, of pride for the industry. Yeah. Mm. I, I saw you, your um, swearing in, I think you've maybe posted it on LinkedIn and I found it really moving. I have to say, Jason, it was, it, you know, it's one thing to put yourself forward for something, but there was something about that sense of ceremony. You know, it was really, it was quite formal. And I think also it was the fact that even given, you know, the COVID restrictions that we've been under, that you were able to do that in person. Um, was, did that really feel like a, you know, a moment that will stay with you forever? Absolutely. I think um, being the son of immigrants, uh, being the child of immigrants, and my father's family ran a fruit and veggie store in Shed B of Queen Victoria Market since the 1960s. And I guess being elected as a councillor for the city of Melbourne really made me feel emotional because we're relatively new to, to Melbourne, but also as a Asian and a business owner, that, that sense of pride and emotion for the community was there because I think, especially Asians, we've suffered a lot this year in terms of racism and we still do to this day and we discussed it previously on our last podcast and it's the first time in the history of Melbourne City Council that there are three councils of Chinese heritage who are on council and there's more than 20% of the population that makes up, oh, sorry, 20% of the city population is actually of Chinese heritage. So I think it's a huge achievement this year for the community to have three of us elected. So it definitely made me feel emotional. And, you know, my dad passed when I was 12. So hopefully he's looking down and going, I'm very proud of you, son. You know, he, they came here as immigrants working in the market and, you know, to see have a son who's been elected as a representative for the people. Hopefully it's a good moment for my parents. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm sure he is so proud of you. And it is such a great Melbourne story. I mean, Melbourne is built on immigration and the Ch Chinese people have been, you know, like among the very first immigrants and such a crucial part of making the city what it is. And uh, of no doubt, it to be part of the city rebuilding um, after COVID. Jason, as you said, we did talk about racism in our last podcast. Um, you experienced some, yeah, like call, 
people yelling at you and stuff and it was early in the pandemic when people were very focused on China as the origin of COVID. It's also been a like a really big year for conversations in that space with you know Trump continually talking about the China virus. We've also had Black Lives Matter which has you know thrown a light on racism um, and I think you know there have also been good conversations about diversity through this tumultuous year. Do you think we're getting anywhere? You know, is racism as as prominent in our society? I think we're getting somewhere. I mean, the three councillors of Chinese origin were elected uh, into the Mormon City Council, which is a good sign, a positive sign that the community, you know, is being accepted. But I think also there's a lot of misinformation out there that the virus is just limited to Asian or Chinese people, which is factually incorrect. I mean. You know, the virus is still rampant in the US and in Europe, and actually China has got the virus under control. So I think if you look at it from a situation where people are still viewing people of Chinese heritage as the, you know, as the cause and as virus carriers, it's just misinformed. And unfortunately, my staff and others have also felt that racism. I've also felt that racism on LinkedIn. I mean, I had white males come and say that, well, Chinese people are racist to to the locals. Uh, why are you only hiring Asian people in restaurants or stores in the city? And, I mean, that's incorrect. A lot of people, you have to look at the fact that a lot of Chinese restaurants hire people who apply for the jobs. People who may only speak Chinese apply for the jobs. And they say, they uh, people said to me, how come Asian businesses only hire people who speak Chinese? I also say, well, a lot of businesses here only hire people who speak English as well. Are they being racist? So there's a lot of misinformation that's still out there. And in my position as a counsellor, I'd like to fight that racism. I think speaking up against that is very important. And I, and I always will. Um, I will speak out against people who are racist to me, to people I know, or to any, any minority, whether it's Chinese, whether it's, you know, Indian or any other sort of minority race, I think it's very, very wrong. And I think the question I always ask is, have you felt racism before to those who say that they're not being racist? Racism is usually felt in the eye of the receiver, not the person giving out the comment. Mm, yeah, that's pretty powerful. And one thing that I always wonder, and we talked about this last time as well, is do you think it's ever going to be okay to charge as much for dumplings as for pasta? Unfortunately, at this point in time, I still feel not. I still feel that people are still going to look at Chinese food as cheap street food. And I think this shows with the number of closures of Chinese businesses in Melbourne. You've got famous institutions like Sharkman House, like Ling Nam, that are closed permanently. And I think this shows that these restaurants just, we couldn't survive here. And it's very unfortunate because they've been around decades and people are still paying $30, $40 for, for tortellini. <laughs> so I, I don't think it will change anytime soon, unfortunately. I think we just need to show people that these dumplings are handmade still with love and care, the same as tortellini as well. And I love my tortellini, <laughs> but, um, I, I think yeah, it's nothing against tortellini. Nothing against tortellini, but I still think there's a lot of misinformation out there about what Chinese food is like and the premium ingredients that go into it. So I hope this does change, but I don't think anytime soon, unfortunately. What are the kinds of things that, that you're looking at? You know, what do you think is really important 
um, in your role as councillor to try to help the city to thrive again? I guess the most important thing is just bringing people back to the city. Um, I think that's the struggle that retailers and restaurants are having right now is that people are not coming back to the city. They think public transport is not safe yet. It is safe. I mean, at this moment in time, I think the state government's also doing their best to bring people back to the city in terms of letting people know that the public transport system is being cleaned. Um, you can take it into the city, but also we need workers back. Most importantly, the city needs the workforce that is there back into the city, working, shopping, buying their coffees, eating out. And until we get the majority of the workforce back in, it's going to be a struggle for most businesses in the city to, to keep going. Um, I think at the moment, 28% of stores or businesses are closed in the city, and we expect that to go much higher at the end of JobKeeper. So in council, we've been told that the worst is yet to come, which is not the nice thing to hear. <laughs> um, we are worried about it. As, as a council, we are trying to encourage actively people to just come to the city, whether through the Christmas festivals and the um, Shop the City events or the Fashion Week and Music Week. We just need to get people back into the city as much as we can. And that's the best way to support your local business is to go and visit, spend money there, shop, eat, buy a coffee, anything helps. Yeah. Well, I have to um, underscore what you said about public transport. I've been catching trains and trams into the city and I feel absolutely safe. You know, everyone's got their masks on. The trains look super spick and span and, you know, I've got my sanitizer in my bag so I can, you know, sanitise as I get on and get off. So, yeah, I feel absolutely safe. And also it might be worth mentioning yes. that if you go into the City of Melbourne website, you can download a free parking voucher and just display it in on the dashboard and then you can have um, free parking along green signed areas in the city. So, I think that's running um, through summer. So that's another another good one. Jason, you know, I'm sure that you, going into um, the council, you just you start to see the inner workings of things and, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot yes. to take in. How uh, much... Um, how Do you feel confident in the ability uh, of the council and, and yourself particularly to, to, to make change? I mean, does it seem... It's a massive machine. Like, do you feel like it's going to be easy to have your voice heard and to, and to make the changes that you'd like to see happen in the city? I think at this moment... I'm still quite new to it all, but definitely I think we have a council that is there trying to revive the city economy and bring people back into the city. And I can definitely see the officers have a huge passion for for Melbourne and they're also doing the best they can. As a huge machinery, obviously, you know, there's still a lot of, um, I guess, policies that we still need to implement to bring people back to the city, but I, I feel we can get there um, in terms of, you know, how we work together as a council to to revive this economy that really is struggling. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm positive with what the new council can achieve for sure. I think, you know, speaking to the other councillors on, on council, we're all there doing what we can for the best for Melbourne, to achieve the best outcomes, yes. And what's the workload like? I mean, is it supposed to be a full-time job? Um, it's supposed to be part-time, but somehow... It's quite full time. I mean, <laughs> the amount of correspondence we receive is amazing, and I think you know we receive so many um, emails and questions every day. And trying to just work through them is not the easiest thing. But I'm sort of fortunate that we have a great support team in council um, who really know how to communicate with our voters and constituents quite well to reassure them that we're here, that we're listening to them as best we can. But you know, it, it's been quite a huge 
change. <laughs> yeah. I, I bet it has because I'm, you know, I'm, now you've got two full-time jobs all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, ha- have you learned lots of things about, you know, the other kinds of things that people, constituents are thinking about? You know, has it been, as, as well as learning about the machinery of government, have you learned a lot about the other kinds of things that are happening in Melbourne and the things that people care about? Yes, definitely. I mean, but every group of people obviously you know they have their own problems and and issues that they're dealing with and I think being on council has opened this up to seeing the real problems that there are in Melbourne that we may not have seen otherwise um, such as homelessness and um, I think you know people even myself before I entered council I didn't realize how big the problem was but also I didn't realize some people actually choose to stay homeless they don't want to go to shelters they don't want assistance for you know for a variety of reasons mental issues that sort of thing as well so this has opened up the world to me but also allows me to sort of speak to people about issues that I also didn't know before about or, or my you know fellow small business owners uh, my industry colleagues didn't know about as well so I, I'm quite grateful to have been exposed to a lot more things that I were I was not exposed to beforehand yeah yeah it's so interesting because yeah I can imagine some people would just be obsessed about you know, footpaths and, and smooth curbs and other people would be obsessed about the trees and some people would be obsessed about graffiti. Like, I guess there's so many different interests um, that you'll have to juggle. Of course, some of them will align. And um, But, yeah, I'm sure it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very rich tapestry of people and opinions, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everybody has an opinion on everything and I think... In the end, we do what we can to the best of our ability for the community. Um, and in four years, they get to vote and decide whether we've done enough or haven't. <laughs> I think that's the most important thing. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's only a limited amount of time that we're there for. But what I've decided is that for the four years that I've been elected by the people, I'm just going to do the best I can for those four years. Um, and... That's all I can do is, is just to listen as much as I can and do the best I can. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows, Jason? You know, we'll be talking to you in, a, in four years. You'll be running for mayor and then who knows? You'll be the next Lord Mayor of Melbourne. <laughs> no, no, no. I have not, definitely not thought that far. <laughs> so let's talk about the restaurants. Um, has the robot arrived? So the robot has not arrived yet. There's delays because apparently worldwide um, everyone's jumping on board. I think my supplier told me that 70 orders for one restaurant chain in Korea. Um so, you know, there's a, there's a slight delay. It's arriving in January, so it should be on the boat soon, um, over. But, yeah, I'm waiting for that to arrive. But I'll be putting that at Kalia Grill in Chadston first, just to roll that out. So let's see how that goes, hopefully well. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And, how you, you know, you said uh, traffic in the city is still way down, but how um, are the <clears throat> stores bouncing back? So they're definitely not at the same level as it was this time last year, being... Um, restricted dining and the, the capacity is a lot less than before but um it's good to see that there are people coming back into the stores i mean because we have limited capacity now there are queues which is a good thing as well um but also we have time limits but i think for us it's encouraging i think because people want to come back out people want to go out and meet their friends and family members and eat so it's definitely a positive for the industry right now mm. And what about at Chadston? How are things going there? Are there, are there lots of people coming to shop? Yes, Chadston is quite busy right now. Um, I guess people feel safer coming to the suburban malls. They, Like I said before, public transport still has a negative 
image in some people's eyes, but people like to be driving out to the shopping centres, and I think that's what they're doing right now. Chaston, you can barely get a car park on a Monday. Like today, I was at Chaston, I couldn't get a spot for about half an hour, and I think that shows you how busy the shopping centres are becoming. Um, and you know, as a city councillor, I must say, obviously, I want people to be back in the city, but it's good to see that the, the you know Chaston is also very busy, but. I think, you know, it's definitely one where the, the suburban centres are still busier than the city right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Jason, it's it's really fantastic to have the opportunity to catch up with you. And I just love this very Melbourne story of your family, you know, from Vic Market to these really glamorous um, sh- stores at, you know, some of Melbourne's premier sh- uh, shopping arenas. It's it's really exciting and it, I'm so thrilled that you're representing uh, the people and the businesses of the City of Melbourne in your new role. Thanks so much for letting us, um, yeah, give it, get a bit of insight into what you're up to and for chatting to us at Dirty Linen today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me again. Always, you know, love talking to you, Danny. And thanks for the support you've given to the industry over the past years. <laughs> many, many years. <laughs> absolute pleasure. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.